Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'm here with Peter Diamandis, and this is our latest episode of Exponential Wisdom. Peter, I think one of the great excitements that people have, especially those who come to Abundance 360, but everybody who follows you on the internet, the blog, they see you at speeches, is that you just seem to be at the cutting edge all the time in knowing what's going on in the world. And I think everybody would just like to know is, what are some of two or three of the most exciting things that you're seeing this year right at the present moment in terms of cutting-edge possibilities for real breakthroughs for people, not just for scientists and technology, but especially business owners, people who are in the marketplace? So I will qualify and just say, first of all, good to see you, Dan. <laughs> qualify and say perhaps I'm at the cutting-edge of breakthroughs really resulting from technology, resulting from the application of extraordinary technologies in our lives. And there's so much going on, and it's difficult to pick two or three, so you'll forgive me if I go into a few more than that. First of all, the most important thing is that we're entering an era of data-driven discoveries. And the companies that are crushing it, the companies that are going from a idea to billion-dollar valuations in 12 months, 24 months, are data-driven companies. Uber is a data-driven company. Airbnb is a data-driven company. The latest company I had a chance to co-found, Human Longevity, is a data-driven company. And it's the notion that in the world today, we are gathering so much data all the time. And entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, you may say, I'm not gathering data, but you are. You're gathering data on your website. Emails are coming in. Patterns of information of when your products are purchased, when they're not purchased, what people are buying. All of this is data. And it isn't random data. There's actually information inside that data. And your ability to actually gather your data in its rawest form and then have what's called machine learning which is the ability of a computer to analyze that data and extract valuable information out of it, is your ticket to success. And it's really taking the human emotion and the human, well, I think red is a better color, out of the equation and actually looking at the information. And it's going to change how entrepreneurs, how companies decide on their products, their services, their pricing in a transformative fashion. One of the things that technology always does is it actually creates new classes of experts, too. And in the data mining, there's this very, very rapidly expanding field of data scientists. So can you kind of talk about someone who's listening and said, Peter, you just got my interest, and I know I have a lot of data, but I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know. You talk about machine who introduces me to the machine? <laughs> you know, who, who is it that trains the machine to be a teammate of mine? And it can be daunting if you look at it as sort of this big concept that you have no on-ramp onto. There are on-ramps. There are simple ideas. At Abundance 360 this year, I introduced a company called Experfy, E-X-P-E-R-F-Y. You can go to Experfy.com and plug in there. And it's a company that actually crowdsources data scientists. There are data scientists around the world. Who are these people? There are people that might work at Google or Facebook or the NSA. Well, maybe not the NSA. But they work at companies, organizations around the world, and they have a day job. But at night, they moonlight a lot of times because they like the challenge of data mining. 
And these data mining experts are people who know how to use algorithms. And an algorithm is basically a computer program that can ingest all of your data. And then when it ingests your data, and again, your data might be just your sales records. It might be your consumer records, email records, God knows what. But Expertify, as an example of one platform, which both you and I use, can ingest your data and then start to show you interesting patterns. Like, did you know that on rainy days, this product sells more than on not rainy days? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that sort of insights Mm -hmm. that the human mind can't normally gather and grasp. Well, one of the things, just to give an example from our standpoint, because we have 25 years of data of people... At Strategic Coach. Yeah, at Strategic Coach, where we've got a clear-cut thing because we're a renewal process, so we actually have people who are with us for 25 years. Well, that's a data point. Who stays for 25 years? Who drops out after one year? And you can just plug in everything you know about those two things, and all of a sudden, patterns start to... There's a particular patterns that shows that someone will probably drop out of strategic coach. And then there's people who we can sort of see there's characteristics that they would stay with you. Well, that makes a big difference where you're putting your marketing efforts, where you're putting your support efforts. And what about yourself? What's an example? Because you were on to this fairly early. Where are you using it right now? A typical example. Oh, I mean, <laughs> the example I'm going to give you is not typical. But one of my companies, Dan, as you know, is a company called Planetary Resources. And Planetary Resources is a company that is basically looking at near-Earth asteroids that we can send spacecraft to for the purpose of extracting resources, fuels and metals from them. We basically are looking at how do we look at images in the sky that are taken from Earth-bound telescopes and be able to identify which are stars and which are asteroids. And... What we've done is we've actually turned to data mining for that purpose, where we can ingest all of those images. Those images are available from NASA for free, from the Catalina Sky Survey, and we can gather that data. That's data, images. We can download those data, and we can give that data to a machine learning algorithm designed by an individual. And that algorithm will look at those dots and look at how they're changing and actually say, this is an asteroid, this is a star and do it far more efficiently than any human can. And we actually just ran a competition among machine learning experts that improved NASA's best algorithm by like 20%. So if your goal is to find something else in the data, you can do that. Mm -hmm. And it's only you as an entrepreneur who knows, okay, I want to predict which fashion trend is going to be better, Mm -hmm. or I want to predict which color is going to be in, and is color of a product correlated to anything else that's going Mm on? Just every area of consumption really is driven by data. I mean, and getting advance notice that something's going to start showing up six months down the road. I I always say, if the genie came and I rubbed the lamp, I got the genie, and they said, what would your one wish be? I said, my one wish would be that I would always get tomorrow morning's Wall Street Journal 24 hours early. (laughs) But the whole point of it, that's really what you're talking about is actually the fulfillment of getting something 24 hours early, getting something six months early vis-a-vis your competition. I'll give you another data mining example, then I'll turn to a next technology. My other example is my other company, Human Longevity, Inc., 
HLI is a company I co-founded with Craig Venter and Bob Hurry. And we are basically mining genomic data. Mm. And so each of us have in our body 3.2 billion letters from our father and 3.2 billion letters from our mother that make up your genome. And that genome isn't haphazard. It's not random. It's very specific. And what we're looking to do is we're mining now, we're gathering the and sequencing the genomes of, we'll be at a run rate of 100,000 people a year by the end of this year, and then growing to a million people a year. And then we're going to say, okay, for those million people, what diseases they come down with, are they healthy, what their capabilities are, and then we're going to start to actually mine that genomic data against the actual phenotypic and medical records and be able to predict everyone with this gene sequence came down with this Mm -hmm. disease or not. And it makes medicine predictive and preventative. So that's a huge part. I remember a talk that you recently gave to one of our workshops about when they did the original map, which was just one person. It was actually Craig Venter. It was a breakthrough in the sense that somebody's genome had actually been mapped, but it didn't really say anything from a scientific standpoint. Can you just give us how rapidly the number of genomes are actually accumulating so that this database is getting very, very deep? Yeah, so when Craig Venter sequenced his genome and beat the U.S. government to the punch of doing that back in 2001, it cost him $100 million and took nine months. And the rate or the price performance of genome sequencing has dropped at a speed of five times Moore's Law, and it's now down to roughly a 1000 bucks. We've built at HLI down in San Diego the largest genome sequencing facility on the planet. Mm. And we're at tens of thousands of genomes being sequenced right now, growing to 100,000 in the year, and then eventually to millions of genomes. And it's that massive amount of data correlated with your blood chemistries, with your phenotypic data, your medical data, that then makes it predictive. We're doing a study right now. We've just sequenced 1,000 people, and we also imaged took high-resolution 30,000-point images of their face, 10-second recordings of their voice, and we're doing the data correlation because we fundamentally believe that your genome can predict a photograph of you and predict your voice and your cadence of what you sound like. All of this is genetically programmed. So in the future, if you're a thief and you leave some DNA evidence, well, we'll have a printable photograph of you. So that's interesting. It's going to change a lot. Let me maybe change to the next subject, which is the Internet of Everything, IOE, also known as Internet of Things. I just recently spent some time with a friend, Padma Warrior. I love her name. It's a great name, Padma Warrior. She's the CTO and the chief strategist at Cisco. Cisco just put out a report that today there's about 12 to 14 billion connected devices. Your cell phone is a connected device. Your Apple TV is a connected device. Soon, most people's watches will be connected devices. And that will grow to about 50 billion connected devices by 2020. And each of those connected devices will have on the order of a dozen sensors on them. And now we're entering a world by five years out, less than a half a decade, where we'll have a trillion sensors in the world. And those sensors will be collecting massive amounts of data. And this goes back to the first point of data mining, The data is going to be out there. You just have to ask Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be able to ask any questions you want. So the Internet of Things and this massive network, this network connecting everything all the time, everywhere, is going to change everything. 
One of the things, Peter, since I've known each other, you're the guy who looks ahead and I'm the guy who looks behind. <laughs> One of the things that I liken the data to is the emergence of the availability of electricity. I mean, if you think back to the 1860s, Edison is really the person, I mean, everybody knows him for the light bulb, but actually there's a lot of dispute whether he was actually the first person to come up because it happened in seven different places around the world, more or less, in the same period. But he was clearly the better marketer of the seven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the big thing that Edison actually did, he was the first person to actually create an electrical system where you could take an entire block in a city and electrify the entire block. So what really strikes me is if we think of electricity as a form of information, because that's basically why the light bulb lights up or why any other electrical device actually lights up. It just got some information that tells us to do this or that. So if you just think about the early advantage, so almost like the unfair advantage of you're in a city and you're competing with people you have an electrical system, they don't have an electrical system. One of the things is, right away, you've created an extra workday out of every 24 hours. You can light up at night. The others can't do that. So could you give some of the early advantages that you're sort of seeing of this new form of energy, this new form of, I'll just call it an energy, that this information is actually a form of energy, and what you're noticing among the early adapters of how they're thinking radically different than their competitors. Sure. You know, I use Uber all the time. I know you do too. And Uber knows exactly where I am, where I'm going. They know where I live. They know where I work. They know when I took an Uber from my home to a remote location because when it's time for me to go home, oh, there's a traffic surge and it's 1.4 times the normal price. I also know that I'm stuck out there. So there's this concept of dynamic pricing your ability to actually provide pricing based upon the demand, based upon the need, based upon the value to the consumer. So this notion of being able to measure things, it also can help you change your supply chain your, and predict what's going to be happening. One of the elements of the Internet of Things, the Internet of Everything, that is imagery data. So... Today, there are three private constellations on orbit that are covering the globe, taking images. There are probably, at this point, a dozen more being planned. These are not government-owned. These are private constellations that are imaging things in the visual spectrum, in infrared, in multispectral, not only images, but now full-time video. So what does that mean? Well, imagine if you're in a manufacturing business and you want to know what your competition is doing. You can actually look at video images or still images of equipment going into your manufacturing's plant in China and looking at final product coming out. If you want to predict Best Buy's revenues, you can actually look at the number of cars in the parking lots December 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th to predict what sale reports are going to be in January. I mean, it's interesting things that now start to be limited by what questions you ask because you can find the data for it. So I think we're going to have a brand new kind of office of the strategic data scientist. So you as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, your job is to ask the questions and let someone figure out how to collect the data and get you the answer. I'm totally interested. I'm all ears. I'm very excited about what you've told me. 
but I'm, from my standpoint, I'm starting right at the beginning. What are three things that I should do right away? We should both disclose here that we were both so excited about ExpertFi that we invested in yes. ExpertFi. Yeah. And we invested in it because we really want to use this company. Yeah, I was a consumer of it first and brought them to Abundance 360 and made an investment in it. There's a few others, but ExpertFi really is agnostic to the industries and is bringing together players. Kaggle is another one that's been focusing in oil gas industry, for example. Yeah. So first off, I would say there are two books I wrote, Abundance and then most lately Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth, Impact the World. And Bold lays out a lot of these areas in a very measurable fashion. Singularity University is an institution in which if you've got a week of time and want to come and go deep in each of these technologies, we cover all the technology areas. And then Abundance 360, though it's either just about to be full or is full, Abundance 360, which is just a360.com, is where I mentor entrepreneur CEOs. A lot of them are members of Strategic Coach, of course. It's through your mentorship and coaching, Dan, that I'm, and I'm very grateful for that, that Abundance 360 came into existence. Mm-hmm. A360 is a mechanism that we work on this. And then I put out a weekly tech blog, which you can sign up at just diamandis.com. The other thing is that I'd just like to put the spotlight on the distinction that you made about leadership going forward and that it's not about answers anymore. It's actually about really great questions. Yeah, That, to me, is a huge paradigm shift for a lot of people. Well, it's important because leadership over time has changed, and this is probably a great conversation for a future podcast, right? Leadership of being a king and queen or a thousand years ago or an industrialist or being anyone now, because I fundamentally believe anyone driven and passionate about a problem area can solve it. The Mm -hmm. tools are no longer in someone else's hands. They're in our hands today. Right. Good. Always exciting. I always am far more excited at the end of one of our interviews than at the beginning. Let's preview some of the upcoming things in episodes, and then we'll go to the next one. Sure. I'd love next time, Dan, for you and I to talk about one of the great changes that's happening during our lives, which is the extension of our lives, the notion of human longevity, the notion that what happens if you have an extra 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 healthy years on your life? Interesting implications. See you next time. See you soon.